What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Welcome into another episode of The Answer on a Monday night. I'm here with uh, with Michael Pina. Michael, have, have you heard the rumors about basketball? I, I have not. Can you enlighten me? It's very good. <laughs> it's very good. We are just coming off an incredible, incredible night of basketball. I'm coming off a pretty epic high as an incredible LeBron James homer, as everybody here knows. Mike, I don't know if you're feeling the exact same way. We also had an incredible Jimmy Butler night. We'll start there. Let's start with Heat Bucks. Uh, Let's start with game four. The Heat go up 3-1. Jimmy puts up 56 points, nine rebounds in just one of the gutsiest, most Jimmy Butler-esque hard performances of all time. Uh, I was watching TNT after the game and Allie LaForce asked uh, Jimmy how he makes it look so easy. And he was like, it is not easy. And I got to say, it didn't, <laughs> it didn't look very easy. It didn't look very easy at all. It reminded me of, of him, uh, of him just hanging off, uh, hanging off the railing there in, in the bubble in my, in, uh, in Orlando. Uh, but just one of the best, Playoff performances, maybe the best performance of Jimmy Butler's career. Reggie Miller suggested it was the best performance of a Heat player in the playoffs ever. I think we got to slow a roll a little bit there just because I don't know. There's there's a little bit, you know, now that we're here, Mike, and you're just having such a good night. There was also LeBron's game six performance against the Celtics, which I know that you dearly remember as well. Uh, but let's let's we're not here to talk about that as much as, you know, I would love to based on the look on your face, which is, you guys can't see it, but not not great. No, I, not I, great. You know, I appreciate <laughs> you bringing that up for sure. One of the worst nights of my life. Um, Jimmy was incredible. Fifty six points. Uh Basically had no help from his teammates. You know, Duncan Robinson hit a few threes. Bam was off. Kyle Lowry was playing defense, couldn't really score. Mm-hmm. Um, 56 points is tied for the fourth most in NBA playoff history. He was 16 for 20 inside the arc. 
He was 11 for 13 in the paint. He had that go-ahead steal with about three minutes to go when Giannis looked like he was trying to call a timeout. Dunk on the other end, just absolute pandemonium. He had the straightaway three over Drew Holiday. They were hunting Chris Middleton in the fourth quarter. Drew ducks under the screen. He just pulls up, drills the three. It was his first above the break three of the entire game. Next play, he switches onto Giannis, uh, cuts off Giannis's drive, forces him into this bad push shot, miss, takes it up the other end. 15 on the shot clock. He has a step back. Would be a three, but his toe was on the line, so it was a long two. Just like one of the craziest end sequences you'll ever see. I don't know if it was the best. I, I, just, I do know it was not the best Heat playoff performance. I want to get that out of the way. But it was one of the best games, I, I don't know, that like I've ever seen. Like Just he was amazing. And the fact that it puts the Miami Heat up 3-1, um, just there's a lot of relevance here and a lot of significance too going forward. Yeah, absolutely. He, um, it, it started off with, it, it just looked like this was going to be him keeping it, him keeping the heat in a game that they weren't going to win. He has a 22 point first quarter. He slows down in the second quarter and you start wondering, okay, who else is going to show up for Miami? They start to get the dribble handoff action going with Bam Adebayo and Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bucks choose to play the drop every single time on it. And you're like, oh, wow, is it, is it 2020 again? Are we back in the bubble? Like, there's just so many, there's so many markers of the past here. Uh, they go away from that. So, and I'm not really sure why, but you know, that's just, I, I don't know. I don't know why they did that, but they start running a lot more pick and roll in, in the second half. They get BAM going a little bit in the third quarter. I think that was important. Uh, every, you know, everyone did just enough. Everyone did just enough. But overall, this Miami Heat team, was so tactically undermatched in this entire game in pretty much every facet. Um, there was pretty much no answer for the Bucks' size. There was no answer for Giannis. There was no answer for Brooke. Um, they're just giving up turnovers all over the place. I think they're. I think. Uh, I think the Bucks ended up getting twenty-four points off of off of turnovers in this game. There was no answer for any of you know, the different things that Giannis was able to do. They tried playing zone uh, in, in the second quarter, in the fourth quarter. Giannis basically tears it up and we can get into all of that. But right now, the only point of me saying that is to say that this was just purely Jimmy Butler w- willing these guys to a victory. If you look at pretty much every marker in this game, the Bucks won it other than three-point accuracy. They out-rebounded them. They had far more offensive rebounds. There was really, I don't know, like you just, you just couldn't, they didn't have an answer. They didn't have an answer beyond the fact that Jimmy just decides a 19% three point shooter in the regular season decides that he's going to hit some of the biggest outside shots of his career in a game that is critical for, for Milwaukee to win. Like we, I, you keep, I don't know, like this is now, so the Bucks are now, they're down three, one in this series. And I think they're the superior team. I just think Giannis missed some time and Jimmy Butler did Jimmy Butler things. And now we're in the scenario where the one seed just might get knocked out of the playoffs way, way early. And the East is, is open. And yeah, I don't know. The fact that he did all this against Drew Holiday, who, mm-hmm. I mean, Drew, if you can go back and watch this game, like Drew Holiday's defense was stupendous. Like he, he made him 
made Jimmy fight for every inch, did not relent, was super physical. Um, just an amazing defensive performance by Drew Holiday. And like I said mm-hmm. earlier, they really, I think one thing that really stood out to me in the fourth quarter in particular was just how limited Chris Middleton looked on the defensive end. Did mm-hmm. not have a good shooting performance. Once Eric's supposed to realize that Gabe Vincent cannot guard Chris Middleton, he subbed Gabe Vincent out of the game, put Caleb Martin in and switched the matchups a little bit. But like hunting Chris Middleton, getting good looks as a team, as an offense, down the stretch every single time they did that. That's a little worrisome. But I wrote in my notes, like, before the game was over, I was like, yeah, Jimmy just, it's looking like one of those games where Jimmy basically does whatever he wants, isn't getting help, and it's just a 9, 10, 11-point game the whole way. And then suddenly they go on this run. I thought Caleb Martin hit some huge shots mm-hmm. down the stretch, made some great plays. Um like Jimmy was guarding Brooke Lopez for the last three minutes of this basketball game. Just wild stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis, the triple double. Uh, I thought it was one of his better passing performances that I've seen in a really long time. Uh, it, like you said, he was just cutting up Miami's zone, um, anything they wanted to do. He was just very deliberate in his attack. The fact that he only had four free throw attempts in the game you know, could be related to the fact that he had only played 11 minutes in this series coming into tonight with a back injury. And his game is just so physical. And so, I mean, he was more willing to give the ball up than I think he normally is in this game. And I agree with you that Milwaukee is the better team, obviously, when healthy, but they aren't healthy. And down 3-1, like, mm. I, I'm not really, I'm really not ready to call this series over yet because Miami has lived on just outrageous shot making. But you're up 3-1, and history mm-hmm. says you're going to win the series, and that's just absolutely wild to me. And if it actually does happen, um, the Eastern Conference, yeah, it's just, it's it's a wild ride right now. I would not be surprised if the Bucks made a comeback in this series, but the Heat only need to win one of three now. And... I mean, they just had this guy show up for one of the all-time performances, and I don't think he's going to do it again in Game 5. I think that's a little bit too much to ask, but if you give him 6 and 7, I don't know. How dare you doubt Jimmy Butler? Oh my goodness. I, you know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doubting Jimmy Butler. I'm just suggesting that maybe he's going to pace himself a little bit. Um, but yeah, look, so the so moving forward with this, with this series, I guess... Um, There was a lot of things that concerned me about Miami. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's, let's get into the zone a little bit. And this is, this is partially just like all compliments to Giannis, just the way that he was manipulating the zone was incredible. But the thing is, so they usually went to the zone when Bam was out of the game um, because they just don't have anything else going um, and they need, they need to protect the paint in those situations. But then it just, it really, really overtaxed a whole bunch of wings, you know, you've got Duncan Robinson basically trying to front, uh, front Brooke Lopez. You've got Vincent trying to front Brooke Lopez and you've got Giannis who can see over everybody. And the second that he gets into the middle of the paint, Miami basically just has to put all of its resources there. And they actually got really lucky. I mean, like the amount of corner threes that Pat Connington missed tonight, that I just don't think that's going to happen over time consistently. Uh, is just, you know, like that's, you got to, yeah, it's, it's a strategy, I guess, right? Like you'd rather have him take threes, but at the same time, like those are going to go in more often than not. And, you know, I think you also, 
I think it also kind of turned when they lost Kevin Love too. Like that was, he ended up starting in the second half, which I think was smart. Uh, but then he just picked up a bunch of fouls and he was really good positionally. But again, like, you know, I think there is, there were a couple of second chance opportunities. That's where Lopez is huge, um, where they just, they just can't really do much. And we kind of talked about it while we were texting too. There's also just like, when you play man, it's tough too, because if you put, I think the best way to defend Defend the Bucks if you're if you're Miami is to go with Butler on Giannis and Bam on Lopez, but then you still need help to cover that pick and roll. And then like you know, Duncan Robinson's not going to be the guy that gets it done there, right? Like they're just they're just going to finish right over him. So it's just tough. There's no there's no good scenario there, right? Like if you if we if you switch those matchups like you do like they did in the fourth, that's probably one of the better configurations of it, just because Jimmy's a little quicker. I don't know. What do you think? I just looked up uh, the zone numbers as you were talking, and according to Second Spectrum, mm-hmm. Miami uh, threw up their zone for only eight possessions in this game. It seemed like more. Uh, Milwaukee averaged 1.7 points per possession, which is um, just off off the charts. Yeah, that's That's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, when we talk about like individual matchups, I mean, first of all, Bam getting in foul trouble from the jump, two quick fouls, take him out. Haywood Highsmith comes in. Um, Cody Zeller played some minutes. I think he played like seven minutes in this one. They're just so limited Mm -hmm. in the front court and so small. I mean... Honestly, it's a slight miracle that they won with Kayla Martin and Kyle Lowry on the floor at the end. And they're just tiny. I mean, obviously, Kyle Lowry plays bigger than he is on the defensive end, for sure. And he forced some really mm-hmm. key turnovers and is always in the right spot, always just being a nuisance. But on the backside, like, my thing with... Matching up Jimmy on Giannis, obviously that's like extremely taxing for him physically. I don't know how many minutes you could actually do that. Um, Just ask him. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, like, like, I got it. Honestly, like, Bud only playing Bobby Portis 13 minutes. And like, I don't know how much second guessing I want to do of the coaching because like sometimes a guy scores 56 and there's nothing you can really do. But I thought it was a little curious there because if I was Milwaukee, I would really be leveraging my physical advantage. I would be attacking the offensive glass as much as possible. Like you said, they won the possession game, just didn't get shots to fall. Um, I don't think there's like a lot to be super concerned with if you're Milwaukee besides Middleton. I think Middleton, Mm -hmm. his defense was a problem and you got to play him. So maybe that's more of a long-term thing if they were to survive this series. But like, I don't know, like Miami shot the crap out of the ball. Jimmy Butler had a historic performance. You were in control the entire game and you lost it. Like, I I don't know. Should they be panicking? Oh, you have to panic. You're down, you're down three, one. It's fair. You know, like it's it's weird. (laughs) It's a fair rebuttal. (laughs) (laughs) There's just, there's, there's no option. But uh, Jimmy also had a really smart play towards the end of the game where he just, he just fouled, uh, fouled uh, Middleton out. Like he knew that Middleton wasn't going to be able to defend him if he didn't foul. Slowed down. So it was either going to be yeah. like a layup. 
or a yeah. foul. And it was like one of those plays where it's like, oh, you kind of wonder why he didn't slow the game, slow the game down a little bit and just run clock. But you know, it was really smart. He fouled Middleton out. Um, and he had a couple really nice plays. I mean, more than a couple, he had some really nice plays around the rim too. Like where he just like, he caught the ball in deep post, whether it was against Drew or Giannis, or he had this one add one against Lopez where it's like, it was just like pump fake pivot, find an angle and, and finish. And mm-hmm. I, I went on this tangent only because I want to set this up. Uh, Michael, uh, guess how much, guess what uh, Jimmy is shooting at the rim in this series? Uh, 70%. 69%. Wow. Yeah. That was close. Yeah. That was the only reason. (laughs) That was the only reason I said any of that. (laughs) Which is amazing because I tweeted this during the the middle, middle of the third quarter. They were like four for 10 or something in the restricted area, which is like the fact that Milwaukee was limiting their attempts. Amazing. Mm -hmm. The fact that they were shooting like... Forty uh, percent at the rim in an NBA game, like that's uh, kind of unheard of. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't know. Like, it's only one game, and they got the W and they're up three one. But it's just like so much weird stuff happened for Miami to win this game and to be up three one. And if Giannis is, I don't know what his physical condition is. I think that that's a question mark also going forward. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I'm if I was a Bucks fan, I wouldn't be super nervous that's another place where milwaukee sneaky won tactically in this game too um miami ended up shooting 47 percent at the rim for the game and only took 24 percent of their shots which <laughs> like if you know if you know what mike budenholzer likes to force like they're happy with that like they'll live with a lot of these shots they'll live with so oh, yeah. much of this the only thing you can't live with here is just jimmy butler going off for 56 points and like i don't know he just can't stress this enough miami just had no business winning this game in any way and like you know i, I think i think moving forward though one thing to look at is that miami can actually do a little bit better that uh, again, like, I don't know this, I don't know about the sustainability factor mm-hmm. is, is Bam Adebayo just being more aggressive now before this game. So like these numbers will have changed and it was only 11 actions, but, uh, Bam going up against Lopez was generating about 0.6 points per, uh, direct action, which is not exactly what you're looking for but i also there are there are things that they're giving him you know like there are moments where he just the he opened the he opened the third quarter and i was really watching this play because he had a really bad start to the game and he had foul trouble and like mm-hmm. he just needed more from anybody and you were hoping it'd be bam and he gets ignored from mid-range completely he tries to sneak a pass to gabe vincent he gets it there but lopez isn't like Ro- lopez is right there because he's ignoring bam so Vincent tries to pass it right back to him and Middleton is right there for the steal and turnovers, by the way, were a huge issue for Miami in this game. Another place where the Bucks tactically won. Uh, But, you know, he's trying to force feed it to the rim and they do need more shots going to the rim. But when Lopez is doing that, you got to take your shot. It's a 10 footer. Lopez, I mean, Bam shot 47% on those shots this season. He's just got to take those more. And then he started to do that and you started to see him getting going downhill. He started hitting a few floaters and then he had an awesome dunk where he gets the end one basically on, on a ball that bounces six feet into the air on a dunk and then somehow gets a friend, friendly roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how that happens, but hey, fun, uh, fun to watch. He just he just needs to play. He needs to play a little bit more like third quarter Bam in this series. And, and I guess maybe not in this series and then three to one. They'll probably win one of these next three games somehow. Just 
through the course of the playoffs, if Miami is going to make a deep run, they just, you know, you're not going to have Tyler Hero. They need something on offense, and that's just going to have to be Bam. And I think it's been, you know, it's been a long time of basically, I feel like there has been there has been something on the stove for a really long time and it's been heating up and we just need somebody to throw the butter on there and like explode. Cause it's, it's like this developmental sort of trajectory of things going as slowly as it, as they've gone for him. I don't know. It's just like, it's time. It's time. I just, I want it. I want like full metal, like early season, December, bam, out of bio for the rest of the playoffs. It's one thirty where I am, and that butter metaphor just made me really hungry. I just want to say. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, bam. I like you bringing up the jumpers in the paint. It's That's like his signature shot. It's so critical to hit those against Brook Lopez, who doesn't really want to come out and contest. Like He'll late contest, but he's fine with Bam taking those and then just you know protecting the paint, grabbing the rebound, et cetera. But I don't know, like Bam, Bam's having a weird stretch for me. Uh, he's one of my favorite players. I respect him so much. One of the best defender defenders in basketball. But when he's just like, I mean, when he's committing these sloppy turnovers, like unforced turnovers, live ball turnovers, he committed a few of those tonight in bad spots. When he's not aggressive, looking for his shot, super passive, I just don't like his game offensively and we're seeing a lot of that he was not efficient tonight scoring the ball um they just need more from him i feel like mm-hmm. and i feel like he's capable of it i mean he was not good really in the plan by and large for a guy who there were conversation there have been conversations over the past couple of seasons where it's like who is the best player on the Miami Heat and it's just like that is the 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 like gap between Jimmy and Bam, if you've mm-hmm. watched this team for the past six weeks or so, is like gargantuan. And I feel like it shouldn't be. And so Bam is just a really curious player for me right now when I watch him play. I want to see him score more. Um, I want to see a little bit more, even a little bit more playmaking, especially with Kyle Lowry um, limited and the lineups that they've been playing. You know, he runs the two-man game with Duncan and Struess, and it's fine. Struess was just a total zero in this game, which is another reason why it's just a st- stunning development that the Miami Heat won. Um, but Bam, Bam's weird to me, and I'd like to see him play better. Um, I, feel, I feel like he will, but I'd like to see him play better as the series progresses. I agree. I agree. Um, it also kind of felt like Jimmy and Giannis were sort of having this, like, proxy battle over who can be like the gutsiest player on the team you know like <laughs> Jimmy's checking back into the game and there's like a heat pad like Giannis has like a ther- like a trainer is taking a Theragun like to to like all over his butt basically like on the sidelines <laughs> there are a couple great shots of that by the way for anybody who has actually tried that it feels amazing like do not judge Giannis for that it is incredible highly highly recommend especially if you if you spend a lot of time sitting down these days which if you're taking to, if you're just watching watching the first round of the NBA playoffs you're probably sitting around a lot these days uh, highly highly recommend but yeah it was just kind of like a funny sort of side plot like Giannis starts limping and he's like he's waving off bud like no don't take me out of this game I want to be in this game um but hey I mean Giannis looks great Giannis looks great and that's uh that's obviously important for the Bucks um I don't know what do you think is gonna happen (sighs) um I mean I feel like I've been 
talking about how the Milwaukee Bucks shouldn't be nervous. Uh, I'm not picking them to win this series, though. That'd be stupid. <laughs> I, I think Miami's going to advance, and we might get a Miami Heat, New York Knicks, like old school, uh, mid '90s playoff series. Like I'm thrilled. Fourth grade me is so pumped for this. It's like, it's incredible stuff. It's like the Chris Herring slash Pat, Pat Riley series. Who do you think it's more important to between those two? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Chris. Definitely Chris. <laughs> Definitely Chris. Yes. Right? No, but you don't think it's Pat's like maybe Pat's final revenge or like maybe, maybe he's a little too chill to, to care at this point. He's, he's got, he's, he's gotten some of his victories. Also, it all just feels like, you know, Embiid, Doc said it would be highly unlikely that Embiid plays in game one mm-hmm. of a second round. It, I feel like the Celtics just kind of cleared cleared their path to to the finals here. Yeah, no no comment on that at this stage. Uh, we don't jinx anything in this household, but Boston's path does look pretty good. The Celtics look pretty good. I mean, DeJounte Murray getting suspended for game five of this series is kind of a bummer. I've enjoyed watching him play. He's been fantastic. He just totally lost his cool with the referees mm-hmm. at the end of game four. Um, but yeah, I want him to be healthy and it's like just a bummer that he's not, that's kind of been a theme of this whole playoffs and we could get sidetracked going down the hole. But, um, but yeah, the Eastern conference playoff picture is just like really muddy right now. It's interesting, but it's muddy. The NBA playoffs are here and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA right now and place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Now Celtics are up 3-1 against the Hawks in uh, in their series and in Game 5, Deontay Murray is actually suspended. So I would take those $5 and I would parlay it on John Collins and Clint Capella both scoring 15 points and uh, and make about $54. Bucks. That sounds like a pretty good deal, right? There's no better place to bet on all the playoff action in America's number one sports book. Just go to FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800 800- 327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369 in New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLE or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia Okay, so let's chat about the uh, Lakers-Grizzlies game. The Lakers escaped uh, by the score of 117-111 in overtime. Really interesting, exciting, thrilling game for Lakers fans. Devastating loss for the Memphis Grizzlies that were up two points with six seconds to go. I am 
just generally just zooming out when I watch the Los Angeles Lakers these days, all I'm watching or what I'm really focused on is LeBron James and his physical condition, what he can do, what he can't do. Uh, in the fourth quarter of this game, D'Angelo Russell hits three humongous three pointers. They don't win the game without that right before he fouled out. And the ball was in D'Lo's hands. The ball was in Austin Reeves' hands. I think Austin Reeves led this team in scoring, which is absolutely just one of the wildest developments of this postseason is his emergence. But LeBron uh, not scoring in the fourth quarter until there was 0.8 seconds left of the driving right-handed layup to send it into overtime, tie the game. Uh, Like, kissed it like six inches above the box over... Jaron Jackson Jr.'s fingertips, vintage LeBron shot. I I just, I'm at the stage now when I watch him, I guess we could just start talking about LeBron and then we can zoom out on the game. When I watch him, I'm surprised that he's doing stuff like this. Should I be surprised given his age, given the wear and tear, given how he's moving, given the foot injury? Or did you have faith, Seward? I know you love him. Did you have faith that he was going to come through? at the end of this one. I think he's kind of at a place now where when he had the game three that he had, you don't necessarily expect a repeat performance of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Game three in and of itself was kind of an outlier. Ever since he's come back from his injury, he's just had a lot more trouble getting to the rim. It feels like he's still a little slow. He's had a great season though overall. So it does feel like one of those things where maybe he's just trying to get his feet back under him. He had a really hard time beating anybody off the dribble tonight. Um, I felt like he almost opted out. The Grizzlies were being really physical with him and he just decided no. And early on in the game, that looked like it was an okay proposition. Like Vando hit two corner threes just right out out of the gate. Huge shots. Huge shots. And the role players really showing up. Like even like, you know, Davis only had, I I think he ended up having two points at the half. Maybe he ended up having four, but, and even Russell was struggling from the field in the first half. But, you know, you had Reeves, you had Vanderbilt, um, you had Schroeder. And it was one of those things where the Grizzlies were just playing so poorly. Now that I actually think about it, it was more so that the Grizzlies (laughs) came out of this, came out in this game and you were like, what the hell is going on with you guys? And nothing really turned for them until Desmond Bain started hitting, like he found his shot. He found his shot at some point in the second quarter and the whole complexion of the game changed. And it went from, oh man, I wish we were still watching this Heat, heat Bucks game to like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. We got some real action going here. Uh, but yeah, just like, you know, we start this game off with like, Dylan Brooks can shoot every shot that he wants. Like they're just going to give it to him at this point. Um they're just playing really sloppy. They're not playing any defense. Uh, Jackson gets in foul trouble early. Uh, they have to, they, they put David Roddy in the game. And this is where like the lack of depth with the injuries really, really hurts them because he ended up having like this really weird sloppy start to the game where they put him on LeBron, first of all, which is just like, that's a hell of a thing to do to a rookie. Um, and those are probably the moments where LeBron got most of his first, <laughs> first half offense. Right. Um, and it was just, it was just like one of those, ha- one of those halves where it like looked like, Oh, okay. Like the Lakers might actually just get to kind of cruise to, a victory and we can just kind of talk about how great their supporting cast is and how great their their trade uh their trade deadline acquisitions have been and you know they have like this real team around LeBron James and which we will talk about but then Bain turned it on and 
Jackson got back in the game and he started making some really gritty plays and they got back that got I think they had 10 offensive rebounds in the first half like they got back into the game and all of a sudden it was a half and you're like oh okay I don't know how it is exactly that we got here but this is a viable basketball game yeah, I feel like I'm, I don't know, was, was I being too harsh on LeBron? Like, the fact that he played 46 minutes, he had 20 rebounds, like, it was, like, he's not what he used to be, but he's, mm-hmm. like, maximizing just his, like, greatness and, like, channeling it in these ways that we just are not used to seeing, I guess. And maybe I shouldn't be so critical because he's impacting the game off ball in different ways, even though he's not hitting threes and he's not like hyper efficient and he's not able to consistently drive by David Roddy or Tillman or whoever's on him. Really? Um, He's still like undeniably effective and undeniably a plus player. But when I look at this Lakers team, like I, I've never been of the mind that the trade deadline moves were super special. Like Rui Hachimura is having an out-of-body experience in this series. He kind of came back to earth tonight, but Mm -hmm. he's not good. I've never been a D'Lo person. I thought it was the best thing that could possibly happen in this team when he fouled out after he hit the threes because he was about to start being like, I, he was about to start feeling himself and like he just missed a pull up too. And that's just like really when he's feeling himself late in games, it's like a really bad scenario for his team usually. Um, but I don't know, like I, I think LeBron needs to be more. I think he needs to be the LeBron we know and I've grown accustomed to over the past 20 odd years for them to actually make a deep playoff run for them to actually beat the golden state warriors or even the Sacramento Kings or the Denver nuggets or this Phoenix suns team. That's like super frustrating, but, and not deep at all, but mm-hmm. in terms of talent, which I just feel like they would blow them out of the water, honestly. Um, and we're not getting that LeBron. So I think that's where my criticism comes into play where I'm like, I don't see them making a deep playoff run because mm-hmm. LeBron isn't a top, 10 player right now, like not even close. So a couple things there. First off, um, when you started off that off saying, am I being too hard on LeBron despite X, Y, and Z? And it was more like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Um, it was kind of like when Doris in game three was like, you know, Dylan's not an elite defender. <laughs> I mean, no, he's not. He doesn't have elite. He doesn't have elite athleticism. He can't exactly shoot. <laughs> and that clip was cut. In reality, it was actually a compliment about Dylan's defense, but it kind of sounded a lot like that. Which is to say, I think your criticisms of LeBron are fair on the Lakers supporting cast. I cannot believe how good of the past two games uh, Delo uh, has been in the last two games. Like I am, I am shocked, uh, especially considering how much he struggles against physicality in general. Yes, I feel like in Game Three he kind of used his lack of size to his advantage. He kind of just like slithered through and like made some floaters and stuff like that. Made some great plays in, in the paint was like super aggressive and then this game he just I don't know he hit he hits those like he hits those back-to-back threes and you're just like back to back to back actually because he hit one right after the timeout yep. um as well and uh yeah it was just it was just one of those games where I was like I didn't don't expect to see this from D'Lo in this series but it's kind of a nice surprise I gotta push back against the trade deadline acquisitions not being good for them I think they've just been an awesome team since then like all the metrics kind of show it and 
you got Vando, like the, the things that Jared Vanderbilt has been able to do to John Morant, like there, there was no one on this Lakers roster that had any ability to do that to anybody at any point, like, like at all, you know? And like, you can, you can see it in the possessions where like, like they, they close the game with Schroeder on him. And it's kind of like this game of like, if Schroeder doesn't poke the ball away or Ja doesn't screw this play up by himself, just by like, you know, mm-hmm. he has, he has a bum wrist right now. Um, he's going to kind of get what he wants unless the defense is really good. And that's where I want to take this back to LeBron. We're just seeing a different version of him right now. I think it's a lot more just like low post and like not necessarily posting up, but just playing defense, being more of a rim protector, you know, taking the Jaron Jackson matchup sometimes just to keep AD in the paint, uh, boxing out, like kind of doing a lot of dirty work. Some huge blocks, some huge, huge blocks. blocks, huge blocks, some charges, like huge charge on, on jaw. And by the way, watching jaw was just absolutely terrifying tonight. Like it's always terrifying, but when he fell on his wrist again, like, I was Doug, like, what oh, are you no. doing? Like settle down. Like someone needs to talk to him. That's the John Morat. (laughs) Yeah, you think you think someone needs to talk to John Morat? It's just like stop playing basketball. Like you're jumping out of a helicopter. Like what are we doing? Like your 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 hand is like impaired. You can't like just. I just don't understand what his mentality is Mm -hmm. on some of these full court sprint. Like let me take off. Like I'm jumping off a trampoline. I don't know how I'm going to land. I'll worry about it later. Like that's just not smart basketball and both of them were turnovers yeah i just don't think i don't think he knows another way and like man the paint the paint's pretty clogged these days the paint is pretty is. clogged in memphis these days they're they're missing their depth and you know i mean brooks they're just they're finding more and more embarrassing ways to not guard dylan brooks like it kind of started off with every single time brooks sets a screen for jaw there and they switch it like they'll trap and then Ja will kick it to Dylan and Vanderbilt will get there for the contest. And he's, he's like always running at him because he knows he doesn't have to be careful because he knows he's going to take the shot. And they'll live with a contested above the break Dylan Brooks three like every single time. But like it just got it just got like increasingly more disrespectful. I just want to find this in my notes. Oh, yeah. OK, so. Late in the game, Jaw wants to switch a bunch of screens to try to get onto uh, D'Angelo Russell as opposed to being on Vanderbilt or Schroeder. Mm-hmm. And there, Vando is so unworried about Brooks that even when Brooks cuts to the rim instead of like slipping to the three point line, he kind of like barely guards it and then goes back to uh, to to Jaw and then. D'Lo just like saunters to Brooks after that. Like they they do the most obvious switchback in history while the guy who's watching it like has the ball in his hands and it just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter at all uh dylan brooks is in his head right now i feel like yeah, a little bit yeah um usually like i don't know watching the grizzlies over the past couple seasons two three years i've felt like he's the most confident player in the nba for mostly for worse and he's just not playing with confidence right now and it's it impacts everything about him he's like committing really dumb fouls they need him on the floor um they need him to be aggressive and he's he made actually like a couple really nice passes tonight which is kind of out of character for him but what i really like taylor jenkins the adjustment he made was setting the screen those ball screens when you're trying to get a switch with luke Kennard instead of brooks because luke Kennard's like one of the best shooters alive and you have to respect him especially when he's setting a back screen um or a ball screen for jaw 
And Jock can get downhill there because it's really hard to help on the nail. He'll whip it out to Canard, and that's mm-hmm. a. I mean, that's probably going to be a bucket. So yeah, I thought that th- that adjustment was really nice for as brief as it was. You can't really play Luke Canard big minutes, unfortunately. At least you don't want to because of uh, defensive concerns. But I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know. Like, I will say, so let me clarify real quick about the trade deadline. Um, My comment there. I think it was, the moves were good in the sense that they were really bad before the trade deadline. Like they were Mm -hmm. a bad team that was in like 12th place or whatever they were. And you make these moves and I think it elevates people who are already on the team and it accentuates LeBron and AD, obviously. I just don't think that they're as good as what their record was down the stretch. And every time I watch them play a good team, they lost. And I don't see them winning playoff series again. Like I think a lot of this is more to do with the fact that their opponent is physically depleted than it is about their greatness, if that makes any sense. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. So the Kings the Kings and Warriors t- series is tied up, uh, but Fox is now doubtful to play uh, play game five. I think he broke he broke a bone in his finger. Uh-huh. There is precedence for players playing through that injury and like it has been suggested that he might try. Um I'm not really sure what what that looks like or what his shooting percentages end up look, looking like in that situation, which is to say that Warriors Lakers is kind of just like screaming at us right now. I think like I just want the basketball I I want Darren Fox to be healthy, but I want I want the basketball gods to make make Warriors Kings happen. And I think it might, cause I think Draymond kind of figured out a way to guard Fox regardless. 
in the, towards the end of that game. And now it's like, I don't know. So like there's, there's precedence, right? Like Curry actually, when he had the broken finger, <laughs> this is okay. Yeah. This is actually, this is a good point. This is a good point. I haven't gone back and watched the game again, knowing like those possessions again, knowing that Fox had a broken finger, <laughs> but either way, that's the version of Fox that they're going to be dealing with, with the rest, of, the rest of the series, you know, very like, true. and he was absolutely unguardable. Like the Gary Payton was the only guy who had a shot against him and so now it's like the the biggest issue that the warriors couldn't solve is pretty much gone now i mean not gone like but just probably hampered and then like i don't know we'll see if he plays like curry has played through this injury uh kobe very famously played through this injury had to wear a splint um you know you got to wrap that wrap it up i think it's going to depend like very much on like just like what finger it is and how they have to wrap it up and like how that's going to impact his shooting and how quickly he can adjust to all of that. So it is still very much a question. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if he gutted it out and like played, played well, or was, you know, some version of deer and Fox, but just, I don't know. What do you kind of make of that series in the Fox injury? I mean, it's obviously a huge bummer. Um, Game five in Sacramento was shaping up to be an absolute classic. Like, Mm. I, I can't recall a first round game that I was looking more forward to than that. I still think it'll be competitive. Um, I still think the Kings can obviously win that game. Uh, not having Fox at 100%, he, he might not even play. I think he's listed as doubtful as we're recording this. Um, they're going to need, I mean, frankly, like they're going to need like Sabonis to look like Sabonis at some point in this series for a legitimate stretch. I feel like people who did not watch him during the regular season think he's not good and he's amazing. Like he's an amazing offensive player. And so if he can get himself going as a scorer, if he can get, I assume Malik Monk is going to play a lot in this game. I assume Davion Mitchell is going to play more. Keegan Murray got himself going in game four, which was a really big development. Um, If Kevin Herter shot, finds his shot, if Malik Monk continues to cook, um, uh, Davion Mitchell, like I said, he's played really well in this series and defensively is held up. Um, like, I think they can totally stay in that game and even win it. Winning two without Fox or Fox impaired is going to be really difficult, even though the Warriors are known all season long to really struggle on the road and they're going to have to win in Sacramento to win this series, which is going to be difficult. But yeah, just generally my, my takeaway is that it sucks and I wanted Fox to be healthy. All the injuries throughout the playoffs have been terrible. Huge bummer. Um, I hope he gets well soon. I hope he plays. Yeah. I'm still look, I'm still really looking forward to game five and the rest of that series. I'm not really like sure how it's going to shake out. I mean, obviously the Kings, the Kings go back, both go back home and the Warriors have just no idea how to win on the road right now. Like they still haven't really figured that out. So I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think the Warriors tactically figured out a few things in that game um, that that can carry over. So I kind of want to give them the edge for this series. And I'm also kind of very much, like I said, trying to manifest a Curry versus LeBron finals in, or, 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 or series. I think finals slipped out of my mouth because that's what we're used to. But a Curry versus LeBron second round like that just has that has so much electricity for being the second round. And I just like with LeBron's age, even with Curry's age, I don't know how many shots at that we're going to get. So I'm rooting for it. Honestly, I love the Kings. Love their season. I'm glad they got to light the beam twice, (laughs) but that's what I'm rooting for. I'm a front runner. 
I think, uh, can I make a prediction against a series that hasn't manifested yet? Um, I think the Warriors will sweep the Lakers if they play them. <laughs> I'm just going to put that on record. We're going to get that out there in the universe. Okay. I, okay. I strongly feel that. All right. I just think that Anthony Davis in the front court might have something to say about that. I don't know. Did you watch Anthony know. Davis I mean, in tonight's game? Just want to, you know, we didn't really touch on him because he basically didn't play. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. He played great <laughs> defensively, but um, totally non-existent on the offensive end for like yeah, three quarters. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. He had a better. He had a better second half. Look, look we're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get bogged down in a Lakers Warriors series assessment. I just think it's incredibly disrespectful to one of the greatest players of all time to say that he's going to get swept. Uh, but Hey, you know, that's, that's the bet that you're making. LeBron still had 22 and 20. Like that's, that's a bad game for LeBron. He had seven assists. He probably would have had a triple double if anybody, if any of the three point shooters on the Lakers could hit a shot tonight. So, you know, I don't know. I still think, I still think he's got something left in the tank. He had that game three. He can pull it out every once in a while. So Yeah. Yeah, I'm on tilt. I'm on tilt. This has been, this has been the answer. <laughs> this has been the answer. Thank you so much, Michael. And I really, really mean it. Thank you, Chris, for producing. Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.